Peer support is a growing part of health management for people with chronic illnesses. Many people benefit significantly from accessing good health information and advice from other people with the same condition. Yet it has to be said that some people are wary of peer support and others who might benefit don't even know it exists. Hi, I'm Ben Harding. Welcome to the Health Issues Centre podcast interview with Dr. Jessica Brown from the Australian Centre for Behavioural Research in Diabetes. I'm a research fellow at the ACBRD um, and what that means is that I uh, lead and conduct a number of different research projects that specifically look at people with diabetes, uh, examining the psychological and social aspects of living with the condition. So Jessica is an expert at looking at how people with chronic illnesses can better manage their illnesses, what works and what doesn't. In this podcast, we're taking an in-depth look at what peer support really is, its benefits and how it could maybe be improved. I interviewed Jessica at the Health Issues Centre office in November 2015 and started by asking her what her research indicated are the biggest challenges facing people with diabetes. So diabetes, like many chronic conditions, is incredibly complex and can be really burdensome to manage on a day-to-day -day basis. So people with diabetes have, uh, well, are at higher risk of emotional distress. This can come from feeling burned out from the constant effort required to manage diabetes. Um, and we also know from the literature that there is a bi-directional relationship between diabetes and depression. So depression is both a cause and a consequence of living with diabetes for some people. Um, and we also know that for people with diabetes, it can be common for them to experience uh, periods of isolation where they just don't really feel like that they have all of the support around them that they need. Even with supportive healthcare professionals, friends and family, it can be hard to really feel like people around them know exactly what it's like. Right. And, and do you think people with other chronic health conditions face the same challenges like depression, anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. As far as I understand, the emotional burden of living with a chronic condition can look similar between diabetes and, and other conditions that require that daily complex self-management regimen. So the fact that it's a daily struggle is what causes the most concern? It's that it's constant. So both daily and lifelong. Um, it's an unrelenting kind of process and on one given day it could feel perfectly manageable. On another given day where perhaps stress levels are higher due to you know, other things going on in life um, or yeah, just being busy in, in life in general, it can just feel like it's all too much to juggle. Well, how are people with diabetes helping themselves to manage their condition best? So many people with diabetes, as like people with many different chronic conditions, are trying to seek out ways to improve their information, their knowledge, and also their behavioural skills. So they might turn to health professionals for advice and support. Many people now are looking to smartphone apps to help them you know, track and manage their daily self-management. And some people are also looking for more uh, peer-related support. So support from other people with the same chronic condition as them people that they can relate to, people that they can talk about, the very you know, specific challenges and both the triumphs and, and the, the challenges, I guess, of living with a chronic condition such as diabetes. And this is where peer support really, um, really comes in to try to supplement the support that one might be getting from their healthcare professionals or their friends and family. 
So, Jessica, what does the research suggest are the main benefits of peer support? So, we know from the available evidence that the benefits of peer support um, are, are quite clear and consistent um, across different chronic health conditions, and that is improvements in psychosocial outcomes. So, this is uh, things like people's emotions, so lower rates of depression and anxiety, and also improved self-efficacy and self-esteem improved um, perceptions of support and also improved self-management behaviours and better communication with their healthcare professionals. So this is a whole gamut of really positive um, benefits of peer support that we're seeing consistently, um, certainly in the diabetes literature. What we're not seeing just yet is really consistent evidence about the clinical um, outcomes of peer support. So that is, we're not necessarily seeing improvements in, for example, blood glucose levels in, in people with diabetes. We're not necessarily seeing improvements in blood pressure, pressure or cholesterol. And there are a number of different reasons for this. In part, peer support is not a medical intervention. So we're not likely or even expecting to see immediate impacts on some of these um, clinical medical indicators. But also, many of the studies are limited in that they only follow people for a short period of time. Now, these other benefits, such as decreased depressive symptoms and in improved self-management behaviours, likely in time will lead to improved clinical outcomes but we need to follow them for a much longer time before we're going to see those benefits. So it's really important that we prioritise rigorous, longer-term studies in um, peer support for chronic conditions so that we can start to gather this evidence and we're able to make really um, clear statements on that issue. Yeah, it makes sense. Look, the, the people I've spoken to who access peer support groups in particular all say that they love being in a social environment where they don't have to explain their condition to anyone because, of, of course, everyone else knows what the condition inside out. How important is that feeling where you just understood? Yeah, I imagine that's incredibly important for people with diabetes or any other chronic condition to just walk into a space where you don't have to spend a lot of effort explaining yourself, you don't have to explain your behaviours, you don't have to spend a lot of energy busting myths about the condition that you're living with, to come into a space and, and know that people are going to accept you for who you are. And it's not going to be strange if you pull out your blood glucose meter or if your insulin pump starts, starts beeping, because that's happening to everyone else in the room as well. Exactly. So, so how does peer support fit into managing diabetes in particular? Um, peer support um, shouldn't and need not replace formal health care. And in fact, um, that's not at all what it has been designed to do. The peer support is designed to be a, a nice adjunct or a supplement um, to the formal healthcare system, whereby people can take the advice that they're getting from healthcare professionals and work out how to put that in practice in their daily lives. So healthcare professionals can't be everything to everyone. Healthcare professionals have their very specific expertise and that is highly valued to the person with diabetes. But then when they go away a day or two later and they're thinking, I'm not really sure how to put this into practice, I'm struggling with this, or I didn't quite understand that, or I'm trying to do it this way, but I'm wondering if anyone has some advice about you know, the time of day, maybe I can do that better to log on to a peer support forum or attend a peer support group and work through some of those challenges with putting the advice into practice can be really, really valuable. But do you find that the information that does come through a peer support situation is good information? So what I've uh, noticed about peer support groups, um, particularly in diabetes, is that the groups self-police very well. So often, uh, health, as healthcare professionals, we can be a little bit wary about peer support groups, worried that perhaps 
uh, there is going to be a lot of misinformation that gets shared there. Um, what I've noticed is that peer support groups are, are very good at self-policing and somebody who is swooping in with their own agenda, trying to sell a product, um, are often silenced quite quickly and not taken seriously in the group. Um, the groups are also often quite explicit about saying, I'm not going to give you medical advice, you need to see your healthcare professional. And one of the great things of that, what makes a great peer support group is actually trying to facilitate those links back into the formal healthcare system. So peer support groups that know their boundaries, they know they're here to give peer support, not medical information. Those are the best groups, the ones that understand their boundaries and know their purpose. So having a clear sense of what the role of peer support is makes for best practice. Uh, but what, in your opinion, are peer support groups still not getting right? Peer support is um, can be a bit of a junk drawer term. Lots of different things are understood to be peer support. Um, but what we know from the literature is that the best peer support um, our best peer support practices or, or initiatives, I guess, are those that are well structured, that have some kind of um, curriculum or, or program that they follow that sits underneath that social support layer. So what we're, we're not talking about a pure um, education group and we're not talking about a cup of tea with friends. We're talking about something that brings those two together. And I think sometimes what happens with peer support groups is that they lean one direction or the other. Um, and, and neither of those things are what I would describe as great peer support. These two things have their place, but they are not peer support for chronic health, really. Um, so what I would like to see happen with um, the peer support initiatives that are available in Australia to people with chronic conditions is to maybe structure them a little bit more, um, have a lot of oversight to them, um, have a lot of mentoring for the people who are running the group so that they don't get burnt out and, um, and start to feel like this is all too much. And what we know from the literature is that it's not just the people who are participating in the peer support, who are, I guess, receiving the peer support that benefit from peer support. Actually, those that are facilitating peer support groups or are more of a leader in that space also gain benefits from peer support. But that requires a very um, nice balance to be had whereby nobody is um, taking more than they give, I suppose. So this is something that we need to be really mindful of when we're sort of overseeing and setting up peer support initiatives. You're listening to Dr Jessica Brown from the Australian Centre for Behavioural Research in Diabetes. We're talking about the benefits of peer support. So we know that good quality peer support clearly offers many benefits to people, yet not everyone who could be attending them is. I wanted to know why some people are staying away from peer support. There's probably a number of different reasons why people aren't in peer support. Um, some uh, data from our own research at the ACBRD suggests that about 6% of Australians with diabetes are currently participating in peer support, but about one third indicate that they would like to participate in peer support. And when we explore that a little bit more, we discover that um, one of the key reasons why people are saying they're not currently participating but they, they would like to 
is that they're saying, well, until I completed this research, I didn't know there was peer support available to people with diabetes. So not being aware of what's currently available is, a, is actually a key barrier to people participating in peer support. So it's really important that for organisations who are running peer support initiatives or, or for grassroots groups that are springing up or for online forums and, and chat rooms and so on, that they are finding ways to get the message out to a broader group of people so that um, people who are, are seeking support, they know where to turn. I think another barrier can also be uh, I, the wariness that some health professionals have about peer support. So there is, um, I guess, mixed evidence for the effectiveness of peer support in the literature, which can be quite confusing to a healthcare professional or a researcher trying to get on top of the issue. And I think because of that, uh, some health professionals are, are unsure about exactly how effective peer support is going to be, and they're unsure about uh, whether or not there's going to be a whole lot of misinformation being shared there and people may be overstepping their boundaries in terms of giving medical advice when they're not um, health professionals and they don't have the relevant training. So it might be that some people aren't participating in peer support because it's not something that has been prescribed per se by their health professional. So um, what we often find with people with diabetes is that they, especially in the early days, they're looking to their health professional to be the expert until they get on top of their own self-management and become actually experts in their own condition. They're relying very heavily on external advice. And so giving people that information early on so they can mull it over and, and take charge of their own decision making when it comes to participating in peer support could be a really nice step. But clearly a lot of people are missing out because they don't even know about peer support. So how can peer support groups reach people better, do you think? Yeah, so one of the key ways that um, organisations who are running peer support initiatives can reach people with diabetes is, is through the national bodies, so through the national or state-based um, membership organisations. So this is where Diabetes Victoria, Diabetes New South Wales and so on around Australia um, play a really important role, trying to reach out to people and, and talk to people about the benefits of, of membership to these organisations. Um, but then of course we also have the possibility, and, and to my knowledge this isn't happening at the moment, of having um, national government funded um, peer support initiatives for, pe for people with diabetes. Now to my knowledge that's not something that's happening at the moment, um, but you know, we really could look at ways to formally supplement the diabetes healthcare program across the country with um, having peer support whether it be mentors in community health clinics or um, a, an official online space where people can go. This could be the future. Um, at, at, to my knowledge, like I say, I don't think that's happening right now. But if there was something that had a good body of evidence behind it uh, that health professionals could trust in and would feel comfortable prescribing into or referring into, um, this could be a really nice uh, adjunct to the healthcare system to take off a bit of the pressure. Um, as we know, uh, more and more Australians are being diagnosed with chronic conditions, our healthcare resources are already stretched. You know, let's look at cost-effective ways to build on that. This could be one really nice way. To me, it really feels like peer support needs to build trust with health professionals 
How do they do that? So I think links between the peer support programs back into the formal healthcare system are really important. So this might be inviting healthcare professionals from your local community um, health centre to come and maybe give a presentation or, or facilitate a bit of a chat with the people um, who are meeting in the peer support groups. Maybe jumping online, giving a webinar and then facilitating a, a discussion around that online. Um, being Having some close contact with the groups to, to evaluate for, for oneself, is this an effective group that I could help support by offering some of my expertise? Or, you know, is this a group where I could, um, I guess, try to uh, raise the standard of what, what is currently happening here? So it's really um, about building back those connections. And because one of the key purposes for peer support really needs to be facilitating links back into formal healthcare sharing resources with one another, saying, you know, I found this really great doctor who's really understanding, has a great holistic approach. Um, I found this great website that provides a lot of educational resources that Diabetes Australia have put together, for example. So um, finding those ways to connect back into the formal healthcare system is really important. Okay, so that's what peer support needs to do, but I still get the feeling there's some resistance from the health professional side of things. Um, so in a room full of health professionals, what would you say to them? about peer support? So I would say that we need to acknowledge that the evidence for peer support is mixed. So a few examples, um, a systematic review published in 2012 that looked specifically at diabetes peer support found that while we can see very consistent and notable improvements on psychosocial outcomes such as depressive symptoms and self-efficacy, also improvements in diabetes self-management and improvements in healthcare communication, we're not necessarily seeing consistent evidence for improved clinical outcomes. A more general, um, earlier systematic review looking at peer support um, initiatives across different chronic health conditions found very limited evidence for improvements in peer support. So these are very high profile reviews that healthcare professionals are probably aware of and thinking, well, I'm not so sure about referring you know, my patients into these groups because the evidence seems mixed. What I would say is a more nuanced look at that evidence shows us that a lot of the things that are being classed as peer support are actually not peer support at all. They are cups of tea groups or they are um, educational programs. So we're seeing this real inconsistency in terms of how peer support is being defined and operationalised and evaluated. Also what we're seeing in these trials is short follow-up times from the peer support intervention. So what we're really seeing here is not so much no evidence for the effectiveness of peer support, but what we're seeing is actually evidence gaps where the evidence that we really need, long-term studies with well-defined and well-operationalised and well-implemented peer support programs, this stuff just isn't there yet. So what I would say to healthcare professionals is understand that there is a lot of positive potential to be harnessed here. Um, understand what's available in your area, whether that be face-to-face -face groups, mentoring programs, understand what's available online as well. And then talk to your patient about the different options and the kind of preferences that they might have in terms of accessing support um, and allow them to be their own decision maker in that regard. You've mentioned that peer support is available in a number of different ways. Do different models of peer support lead to better outcomes? There are many different models of peer support. So this might include online peer support, one-on-one -on -one buddy systems or mentoring, and then face-to-face -face groups that might meet in a, in a school hall or a community centre or someone's home. And not 
everyone is going to be comfortable with all of those different options. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. So finding out what, if you're a health professional trying to refer someone into peer support, find out what their preferences are. Do they enjoy using technology on a day-to-day -day basis? Would they prefer a level of anonymity? Are they really busy and stretched in terms of their commitments? Then maybe an online forum or, um, or group might work for them. Are they someone who um, thrives on that sort of personal communication, that real face-to-face? -face? Do they like to really go deep with someone? Then maybe it's that one-on-one -on -one buddy system that's more suitable to them. So like anything when it comes to um, healthcare management, we're not seeing a one-size-fits-all model. We have to um, adapt our recommendations for different people's um, life stage, age, gender and preferences. I'll give you another example in terms of sex differences. Um, the literature suggests that peer support groups might be more effective for women than men because men respond better to support from their spouses and uh, interventions that come from within their, so family-based or spousal-based interventions to enhance their social support. So this might be another consideration. You know, I'm not at all saying that peer support isn't effective for men, but that we might see that we're seeing greater gains amongst women because it's also their preference. This is where women want to engage. Um, so, you know, you have to take a number of different things into consideration. It's been fascinating talking to you today, Jessica. It seems that peer support really does a lot of good now and has the potential to do more. Uh, what do you think the role of peer support will be in 10 or 15 years' time? In an ideal world, in 10 or 15 years' time, what I'd like to see is uh, peer support groups available in all areas um, on, in a number of different modes. So that is anybody with a chronic condition living anywhere in Australia has a choice um, on how they might access peer support from the day that they are diagnosed. So at the moment, what we have is a very fragmented approach to peer support with lots of different um, groups existing. Some of them are grassroots, don't belong to a more formal organisation. Some of them are run by hospitals or um, charity groups, for example. And one doesn't know what the other is doing often. What we need is a much more integrated approach whereby the healthcare system and the peer support groups are uh, are talking um, and exchanging information and are better integrated with one another so that nobody feels like they have to live alone with a chronic condition. Dr Jessica Brown from the Australian Centre for Behavioural Research in Diabetes talking about peer support. Whether you're a person with a chronic health condition or a health professional, if you'd like to find out more about peer support, the Health Issues Centre website is a great place to start or contact the relevant state or national support body in the first instance. This is Ben Harding for the Health Issues Centre.